Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, Josh Pacheco and Hunter Hughes. Oh man, they're all they're all disappointing. Um, you know, I mean, I, 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 every loss I've ever had is disappointing. Um, I, I, they're all they're all disappointing. Nobody, we hate to lose. You know, certainly, this is um, a, a bad way to start and. and um, you know, again, they're, they're a good football team. We, we're not entitled to win. We got to go earn it, and, and we had plenty of opportunity to to get control of that game on multiple occasions, and we just did. Off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. You know, I was watching Clemson and Duke uh, at least most of the first half, uh, sitting at a at a. Uh, not the table, but uh, what's it called? The the not one of the the the, the table with the uh, kind of like this. What is it called? Like the horseshoe booth, yeah, kind of a thing. How did I not know how to call it that? Well, we'll give you credit because it today kind of feels like a Monday. It does. Yeah, it it really does. It's this a whole, Tuesday Monday. This whole weekend has felt like a Monday after a Monday after a Monday after a Monday. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was I was watching most of the first half in Lucky Strike. Of Clemson against Duke. Of Clemson and Duke. Yep. And I kind of just felt like it was going to happen the entire time I was watching that. I I never felt like Clemson looked like a top 10 team. Never felt that way at all. Yeah. And I, I hope Arnold Martinez isn't listening because his son plays for Clemson. I don't think yeah. he was dressed for that game. But you just felt this energy. Okay, something shocking is going to happen with this double-digit underdog Playing at home on a Monday night in a conference game. And sure enough, it did. Yeah. Uh, well, before we get into that game, yeah, yeah. let's not skip past the fact that you had to watch this game at Lucky Strike. <laughs> Which, hey, I have I have no problem with whatsoever. What, because of the continued thing. Yeah, yeah. And, like, do, do have you heard if, like, people are changing providers or anything like I that? Not, or? I, I haven't heard. And, honestly, I haven't asked. Okay, yeah. Um, but I will say, I did. Um, I say I. I say we. Um, we did order fries just to stay there a little bit longer. Oh, of course. <laughs> like we went there, and it wasn't actually to watch the game, but it was just kind of perfectly timed. We were like, you know, let's let's go grab some. So we shared a, a spicy ahi nachos. Nice, because it's really really good. And then in realizing, my wife was like, yeah, we should stay a little bit longer. It's hot outside. It's the AC's on, so it's yep. it's really really cool in here. And so, like, were you upstairs or were you in downstairs? The, okay, you were in the arcade. Yeah, adjacent to the arcade, I right, guess. Right. Okay. So, booth is what the name of it is, booth. not the horseshoe. Wow, it took me three minutes to figure that <laughs> out. Um, but we're like, okay, it's really cool in here, and the game's on on the big screen. So, yeah, let's order a garlic parmesan fries and just Ooh. hang out a little bit longer. So you uh, had an air conditioned Aloha Stadium experience with your garlic fries except the seats weren't rusted Mm -hmm. you weren't afraid of falling (laughs) through the floor no i was not and if anybody celebrated anything i didn't feel like the floor was shaking (laughs) there you go yeah i like it well yeah back to the game because you're exactly right at no point and i mean no point in that game did you feel like clemson was ever in control Mm -hmm. ever duke had more of the juice they had more of the willpower and honestly, Josh, it felt like they had more talent, which in the ACC, no one can out-recruit Clemson other than maybe Florida State. That's right. And maybe Miami. 
So, like, those are the top three right there. Duke is a basketball school. Yeah. The fact that Duke handled them, it wasn't even a game against supposedly a top 10 team in the land. And, I again, Coach, I, I hope you're not listening, <laughs> Coach Martinez. But He'll they, join us in the 5 o'clock hour. We'll make sure that we don't, uh, for our Tuesday turnaround, we don't bring this up. But they dropped 16 spots yeah. in the AP. Yeah. 25 in the AP. I think they're 22nd in the coaches poll. Which, who are you going to put under them? Yeah, and what coaches are actually voting in it. Yeah. But you know the the amazing thing? I'm, I'm reminded the same one that put UNLV number one for uh, <laughs> the Mountain West. Might be that one. Yeah. You know, the, there are two things that stand out to me. One, I can't believe that I'm saying that the better defense in this game came from Duke. For real. Like, I felt like Duke Duke's defense kind of forced the tone of that game. Clemson Clemson usually offensively is is a powerful offense and, and that's why you know, for so many years in the in the teens, the 20 teens, um they were going to the college football playoff semifinals. They were playing for national championships. The defense was good, but the star of the show was the Clemson offense. Um, yeah, but Duke's defense neutralized that, and I think you know forced the tempo of that game. Yeah, um, Cade Klubnik, who is supposedly the heir incumbent, um, taking over for DJ Uagalele from yep. this last yep. year, um, supposed to be the next up and coming QB from uh, that long lineage of Clemson great quarterbacks, but. They stifled him. Yeah. They absolutely capped him. And you ask anyone who doesn't have a dog in that fight, which I don't, for Clemson or Duke, the dude of the game was Riley Leonard. Yes. Absolutely. What a stud. And they, they kept breaking away to his high school basketball highlights. The dude can do a 360 dunk. Oh, really? And why hasn't well, – well, Coach K is not there anymore. So that's the joke that they were talking about in the game, which, of course, you only got to watch a little bit of. Yeah. Which I understand why. Um, and also, I can watch it because I still <laughs> backdoor my way into my dad's YouTube TV account. So It's th- not Netflix, so you can't. Thanks, can. Dad. Um, but, uh, no, right, they kept cutting away to his like high school tape, and he kept, uh, I guess, in the, the media f- – ramp up to this game he said if coach um if coach shire would have me i'd love to play so who knows who knows what's going to happen and th- there also was that kind of buzz fun story on social media after the game because they're interviewing him asking him about school yeah and he asked for an extension on a paper or an assignment that he forgot to have did you see the response from the professor i did the professor said no. You know what? I love it. It was, you know, it was a Go reminder. Go learn today, freshman. It was a reminder that this is still a basketball school. Yeah, got- for real. <laughs> oh my gosh, good call. Really good uh, call. You know, the you mentioned if JJ Reddick was late on a assi- Oh, of course. Sorry, oh. sorry to even assign it to you, if sir. If this was Christian Leitner, yeah, he would get a a week's worth of extensions for that. Um. But you mentioned DJ Uyunglele. Yeah. Um, you you kind of wonder if his – he had so much pressure on him last year at Clemson to the point where, you know, anytime he had a bad game, he had Klubnik right behind. Um, 
you know, just kind of waiting to, uh, to to take the reins. And I'm watching Uyunglele for Oregon State against San Jose State, and he looked great. Five total touchdowns on the road. Oregon State's a top 20 team in the nation. Um, I can't remember. The, the, I can't remember the last time I've said that about Oregon State. Hmm. To be honest with you, and I'm kind of sitting there wondering, does this happen if DJ Uyunglele is the quarterback at Clemson right now? Part of me feels like no. I mean, decision making, like for example, that last, um, that fourth down play that also had the targeting call, which they said was after the play because the quarterback already gave himself up, which I kind of understand. It's a weird call, but I understand. Hmm. He slid short of the first down marker. Yeah. On fourth down. (sighs) That's an awareness issue. A quarterback can't have that awareness issue. I'm getting flashbacks of Dak taking a (laughs) knee with nine seconds left in uh, in it. An NFC playoff mm-hmm. game. Not to go there because we're still talking well, college. You, you but did, you did, and you're, it's, it's, you're it's talking acceptable. about awareness, and uh, we need we need QBs to be aware. That's like you know, that's one of the basic elements of your job is to be aware, and I don't think you have that with DJ at quarterback. Mm. Um, you know, you you heard. You know, Dabo earlier in our open in the press conference today asked, or, or last night asked if it's one of the most disappointing losses in his career. You know, he and he gave you the coach speak answer that all of these losses are are tough and disappointing, but to be on the road at a place that does not, you know, does not get you top twenty five wins. It's a basketball school, as you said. Last time Duke had a top 25 win, I think it was against Clemson way back when. Mm. To do that with the expectations that are on you, um, to me, should go down as one of the most disappointing losses Clemson has had Dude, under Dabo. How crazy. I legitimately had a thought watching that game. Does Clemson start to think about a different coach? Whew. Which I realize might be the those are fighting words there, son. You just you just hit the panic button. Now I'm more playing devil's advocate panic button here because I know the way that fan bases think. I I didn't know there were multiple panic buttons, but cool. I love this. Yeah. Well just I I think in this this era, especially if you have reestablish a school like Clemson as a powerhouse, establish them as we're here to win championships and we're here to compete at the highest level in the CFP. And they haven't been back since Trevor Lawrence. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I don't know if it's too soon to start saying that sort of stuff, but they are as close to the SEC as you can get without being in the SEC, yep. and they take that stuff very seriously. So if they have high hopes of getting back to the CFP, first of all, they're going to need to make some serious changes because they didn't look like they could even hang in their conference, let alone the CFP, against the the other guys because Florida State handled LSU. Oh, yeah. wasn't even a game. Yeah. My, my, my guess, like... Florida State might goose egg Clemson. Yeah. Real talk. 
I, I was impressed with Florida State. You're oh my right. Gosh. I mean, that was a slow start in that game, but I was impressed. You know who you got to look at, too, though? Um, yeah, look at Garrett Riley, the mm. offensive coordinator who came over from That's TCU. Right. And we know how good TCU's offense um, was and how, you know, they got to the college football playoff national championship. We know how good they were. And you had this new offensive coordinator coming in and, and providing one of Clemson's worst offensive performances in several years is not a good sign. I will say this about Dabo. Um, Dabo will coach at Clemson. As long as Dabo wants to coach in Clemson, I think he has earned the ability to coach there for life. Hmm. Um, but here's where I think Dabo hurts. Remember um, way back when there were conversations like, oh, you know, if Nick Saban retires, could Dabo be the next coach uh, at Alabama? Like his resume was so good yes. that you were already talking about uh, Dabo Swinney as the next coach of the number one college franchise expected. in all football. Exactly. Yeah. I don't think you see that now. Like their their resume in the last two seasons plus this game has been, well, Miami esque. Hmm. And I'm not talking about. Miami when you had like, you know, Miami Notre Dame Catholics versus convicts rivalry. I'm talking about Miami of the 2010s um, average or I shouldn't that that's harsh. Um, really good. Not great. Not yep. best in the nation. And yeah, I, I think that that is hurt Dabo's resume. It it's it sounds very overreactionary to to be like oh two years, and Dabo's resume has has slipped, but college football does that to you. It's not the NFL where you know depending on where you coach, job security matters. Um, in in college football, people are looking at legacies more than they are in the NFL. People are looking at um, you know could you be the next coach in waiting in a place like Florida State after Bobby Bowden retires. Mm. Um, and I and I, I think he lost a little bit of that leverage. I think Dabo Sweeney is to Clemson in a similar fashion to what Steve Spurrier was to Florida. I think he I think you're right. I think he has earned the right to leave on his own accord. Mm-hmm. Um where I do agree with you. I was more throwing that out there oh, for, no, you know, theatrics, uh, you know, um, dramatic That was an award-winning here. performance, Hunter. Well, thank you. The Academy <laughs> Award goes to. Um, but you know people are thinking that deep, deep down. Yeah. Because it, it all comes down to recruiting. And that part, to me, is so fun about college football that the the tide, not, not the – not the We're Alabama not roll tide. No, 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 not that tide. I'm more speaking general tide here. Not the green wave of Tulane tide. That's right. Not everything's about Bama, guys. <laughs> I like how it ebbs and flows and shifts and kind of lands on different teams from year to year. Um, Florida State was not this two years ago. Definitely not. Oh, my gosh. When Mackenzie Milton was still there and – like they, they were okay, but they weren't nationally good. They handled LSU in a shocking fashion. So I 
I bring that up because it seems like the tide is kind of receding on Clemson a little bit. It, it, I think you're right. I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, I, I think Florida State's the best team in the ACC. Mm. Um, and I, I, I want to see Clemson play Miami because that will determine who the second best team in the ACC is. And you know what? You bring up a good point. Give it a year or two. It might be Miami and it might be Clemson again. Absolutely. That's that's the great thing about recruiting, and that's the great thing about the transfer portal, mm. is that it will uh, it will bring all this back around. You know, uh, we'll talk Colorado today too. Oh, of course, uh, that will be coming up a little bit later on in the show. Uh, in fact, setting up today's show, uh, Brian Seaman's going to join us, uh, Clippers play-by-play voice. Nice on uh, on Valley Sports, the uh, Clippers. And uh, Jazz are going to play in that, uh, ex- not exhibition, it's a preseason game with proceeds benefiting um, you know, the, the, the Maui Relief Fund with nice. the, uh, um, I think it's through the Hawaii Community Foundation. Uh, but tickets went on sale today for that. So Love it. Uh, Brian's going to join us about 4.30 today. And then uh, and they're Arlen, playing at the stand? At that Simplify Arena at Stan nice. Sheriff Center. Um, the Clippers have kind of made this their home now. It used to be the Lakers for many years. Right. Um, it's it's now the Clippers claiming uh, this territory. Uh, Arnold Martinez with our Tuesday turnaround coming up from five to five thirty. There is a lot to get to with the University of Hawaii football. In fact, we'll we'll start some of that conversation coming up next. And um, people who've listened to this radio station and followed me on Twitter have known that I do a Mountain West unofficial Mountain West power rankings. Um, I have invited you to do yours. We'll do this every week. Mm. Uh, I want to see how close we are, how far apart we were uh, on any given week. And then I want to see, because I was called a homer yesterday. I was called a homer. Actually, no, it was was Sunday. Not like it matters. I was called a homer for putting Hawaii at 10th in the Mountain West Power Rankings. 10 out of 12. Just imagine that. Oh, you have Hawaii third from the bottom? You're such a homer. Just could, could listen easily, to how that sounds. Could easily turn around and say you're a hater. <laughs> I know. It sounds pathetic both ways. But I wanna I wanna see what we have um together. In fact, we'll um I'm seeing the clock. We'll do this more at 345. Nice. Uh, we'll go through our Mountain West Power Rankings. Right now, our uh, M. Dyer Global scoreboard brought to you by M. Dyer Global, moving Hawaii uh, into the future. Over on our sister station, CBS 1500, Yankees have a 3-1 lead on Detroit, uh, top of the eighth inning. Top six in Chicago, the Cubs have a 4-3 lead on the San Francisco Giants. You and I are going to beef about that later. Oh, yeah. Uh, Red Sox race tied at five, going to the bottom of the seventh. Mariners have a 6-3 lead on Cincinnati, top of the eighth inning. White Sox 6, Royals 4, bottom of the 6. That's your M. Dyer Global scoreboard. M. Dyer Global always on the move. It's off the bench, ESPN Honolulu. We'll spend a couple segments on uh, Hawaii football this hour. Hunter Hughes, Josh Pacheco off the bench here on ESPN Honolulu. I want to I see what the narrative is supposed to be. Not not that we have it or anything. That's I. That's why I'm trying to ask it on the fly and figure out where it's supposed to be. Um, is the narrative that Hawaii took a step back, or is the narrative that Stanford had an advantage and took advantage of that advantage, being mm. new coach, different style, um, Hawaii not being able to truly game plan for that? 
Right. What is it specifically? Stanford taking advantage of its advantages or Hawaii taking a step back? <sighs> or could it be both? I think I, I'm going with a little bit of both, Josh. Okay. Um, you, you know what I've been telling people? Hawaii is just good enough right now for us to get our hopes up. Mm. The scheme is there. The trajectory is certainly on the up. We are positioned to win, and we can feel it. Mm-hmm. You can feel it in the the, the buzz of the fans, um, the season ticket holders, um, Timmy on the Timmy Chang show, the media, us playing well against an SEC opponent. It just feels like we're right there. And then we can't run the ball mm. against Stanford. And Stanford has a phenomenal game in the trenches against us where how, how many times did Shager get sacked? Like six times or something like that? Yeah. That controlled the entire game right there. Um, and then on top of that, we weren't as crispy as we were against Van, uh, Vandy where there were a couple throws where we tried to set up some tunnel screens on the outside. We would drop the ball. Um, the deep throw to Chucky Hines late in the third quarter where he lost in the lights and yeah. it literally hit him in the hands. Yeah. Um, a defender might have brushed him right before the ball got there too. But if you look at the timeline of that game, he catches that ball, we score. We're only a score down. The tie to that game changes like that. Right. Um, I actually thought defense played pretty well to keep us in that ball game. Right. Um, Anytime you play a Power 5 opponent, even a school like Stanford, who is not going to be like when we play Oregon in two weeks, you have to bring your best. That's just what happens. You have to bring your best if you're going to go up and beat someone bigger and better than you. Um, With that being said, I will also tip my cap to Stanford um, and their new coach's ability to keep us on our heels. Troy I mean, Taylor coached a magnificent game. Oh, I, I, it felt like we were lost out there defensively and confused and just in a scramble. It kind of felt like a chicken with its head cut off a little bit because they were throwing different looks into um, alignments at us every step of the way. So with that being said, a little bit of both, Josh. I We'll talk about this when we come back. Yeah. Um, I had flashbacks to last year in in watching that game. Not necessarily all bad. I don't I don't want to get that idea out there, but I felt like I was watching last year's team at certain times in in watching Friday's game. We'll we'll talk more about that. Your calls and texts at 808-296-1420. I already saw grades come out before the show. Ooh. Yeah, that's always fun. <laughs> uh, that's coming up in a bit. Hey, uh, next week, the Craig Angelus Show returns September 12th at 6 p.m. Kanoa Leahy with Hawaii's Athletic Director and Velocity Honolulu on Kapiolani Boulevard. Food and drink available for purchase. Valet parking at the MW Restaurant. It's brought to you by the JN Group. Sports Center in minutes. All right, you can get in touch with us on the uh, Hawaii football conversation at uh, 808-296-1420 or Zephyr Insurance text line. Uh, You can call in there as well. Um, 
the text messages uh, we'll get to in just a second. Uh, the one from the two three three I'm I'm most interested in. Um, I felt flashbacks to last year in watching Hawaii and Stanford. For for example, the offensive sputters, and I don't I'm. When I say this, I'm not taking anything away from Stanford because I, I think Stanford deserves a lot of credit for what they did to Hawaii. The offensive sputtering outside of some a, a several very, very good plays and another Pofele Ashlock sighting. Which Unbelievable. Second straight Mountain West Freshman of the Week award. Kid's a stud. In my mind, he's the best we have. No doubt about that. No <laughs> doubt about that. And he's a freshman. Yeah. That's going to be so fun. Um it felt like watching the team last year with the exception of the fact that, you know, they weren't really running the run and shoot last year. Although, and I'm reminded of something John Venary said this morning when he was talking to Bobby Curran on the Bobby Curran show, that it's it's the run and shoot, yes. But when you have Solo Vipulu in the game, That's right. it doesn't necessarily feel like no. the run and shoot. I thought that was a really good point that John made this morning. That's right. And... I uh, I don't want to use this word, but it's the only one that kind of comes to mind. Uh-huh. When Solo's in the game, it feels kind of gimmicky. I don't disagree. If you have an offensive lineman that you're leaning on to be your running back, and it's not all, you know, people hear that and they go, whose fault is that? Mm. Well, we've been injury riddled at, yes. at running back. And Landon Sims is going to be out. That's right. We're waiting on our big down and distance back, Najee yeah. Bryant Lalay. We're waiting on him to get healthy again. Right. Um, we are still waiting for Tylen Hines to make himself known this I feel season. Like, I feel like this game could be the one. I would love it. Um, and with that, you know, our offensive line hasn't done poorly, I would say, for pass pro. Um, certainly game one, they gave Shager all the time in the world to do what he needed to do. And um, let's also, like, call a spade a spade. Uh, Shager leads the NCAA in passing yards right now. You're right. Although Shador Sanders made a little bit of a run on him in that uh, Doesn't matter. TC. My boy's you're number right. one. You're right, yeah. So people, like, I had people come and find me on Sunday at church going, we need a new quarterback. I'm like, do you know that he's number one in passing yards, guys? Please. And had no interceptions against Stanford and had three touchdowns, 350. That is a quality day in the office. Okay? It's it's just, it's an untrue. I feel (sighs) like, um, who's the Miami Heat coach? Uh, Eric Spolstra. Eric Spolstra. that, that, That quote after one of the, uh, the Eastern Conference Finals games where he's like, that's just the, the untrained eye. The, the, the untrained eye who, who would say something like I, that. I hope you told those people to go to confession. I, in the most loving way possible, said, we got a lot of football in front of us still. Is the most loving way of saying that not saying you need to repent for your sins. No, because I kind of have a staff position at that church. And, um, I'm, okay, you're yeah, being nice. That, you're, oh, I, you're absolutely. You're being a very diplomatic individual. Absolutely. Um, and th- there's a reason I don't put the fan's voice on anymore, Josh, because I don't want to hear that stuff, <laughs> which is ironic because that's why I even have a job today. <laughs> if we, for those that this don't know, true. that's this how. That's how. 
I met the ESPN Honolulu folks when people were calling and talking trash about Cole McDonald years ago. I called in and was just fed up. You know what, though? The people who have been calling in the fans' voice have been really good this year. Nice. Even, okay. even after the loss, um, and you, you know, you can you can have your concerns and all that. They've been very good this year. Nice. I, I compliment those who have been I, calling in, and I, I compliment Gary for handling there that. There we go. Gary's a champ. He is. For rolling with those punches, because sometimes they're haymakers. Yeah. And um, we should say, by the way, because the texter from the 375 says, isn't Shager leading the nation in passing yards because he played two games as opposed to one by pretty much everybody else? So did Caleb Williams. Yeah. The reigning Heisman champion. And it's not necessarily... Mean, you, can, you can play two games and be like Andrew Peasley and throw for less than 200 yards. Um, you still got to throw for that many yards in two games. So um, you can put an asterisk, but that means you're putting an asterisk on everybody else, and that's not entirely fair either. If if you can have a leg up in any category on, without a doubt, the number one quarterback coming out of college this next year, I'm, I'm bringing that to my grave Yeah, if I'm Braden Shager. So – I, I'm bringing all that up because the run and shoot schematically puts our our players in position to win. It puts us in um, a winning environment to move the football. It we, we didn't have this luxury last year, um, and we're doing it this year without much of a run game, mm-hmm. which is being felt on the lack of first downs the um the needing the the huge home run plays to get really anything going the 5 to 15 yard completions will start happening more when we find a way to get our running backs in space yeah. that's just the way that football works you you move the the linebackers and that internal what they call the box right. you move that back and forth based off of the success of your running game. Um, and then if you're able to pass over top of that, that's when your offense really gets clicking. Um, there might be a way to take something out of that playbook from Stanford, though, how they kept us on our toes going no huddle, and it felt like they had the next two plays in their pocket yeah. while they were running the first. It was beautiful to watch. And sometimes it would, you know, the tempo was great, and sometimes they dialed back the tempo. I mean, it, it was it was like they were swinging the pendulum. Yeah. The, the pendulum wasn't swinging naturally depending on how teams played. They were the ones swinging it. The, the other thing that, you know, it, it's tough to make this stern assessment with two non-conference games against Power 5 schools. But we have no turnovers. Yeah, you, we haven't. You, you we haven't taken the same thing. We haven't grabbed the ball from the other team once yet. And we'll get to you guys on the phones here in, in a second at eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty. But you and I are on the same page on that. I do think that that's kind of a big deal. We haven't recovered any fumbles. We haven't uh, caused any interceptions, and it's an awful lot of pressure just on the offense and equally on the defense when you can't cause those things to happen. So it's an important part of the game and something that certainly turns um, the the tide of it, the emotion of each game. You know, that's the other thing that I, when, when we talk about how I was reminded of last year, no sacks, um, you know, four, they had, what, four tackles for loss, which I think was, was less than a year ago, but the sack number got me because they... 
they made, I think, strides in, in the Week 0 game against Vanderbilt, but it felt like we were kind of back there where you weren't getting a lot of pressure. As you said, you know, Stanford could do many times what it wanted in whatever different formation. And that's the other thing about um, them really controlling the game, whether they were running that tempo spread. You know, they it seemed like they rolled out package after package after package. And you didn't know what package you were going to see. You didn't know how you were going to handle that package. And I think that it, it kept Hawaii's defense on, on the back of its feet for a, a good chunk of time. Totally. Uh, let's say hi to Dave out in Kaneohe. Dave, what's up? Hey, how's it going, Josh and Hunter? What's up, Dave? Hey, so, so far after two games, it's kind of like a repeat of last season where we start the game, we start the first and third quarter really flat. So far, these first two games, we're, we're scoreless in the third quarter. And that's how it was last season where we fall behind and our, in the fourth quarter, we make a push and we outscore our opponents in the fourth quarter, but it's kind of like too little too late, yeah? Yeah, and uh, I, I did I did feel like the fourth quarter, I mean, granted, Hawaii did outscore Stanford 14 to 10, but I never I never really felt like Hawaii had a a grasp of the fourth quarter either. And maybe it's the way just the, the, the quarter started, the advantage that Stanford have but I, or had, but I, I didn't really felt feel like Hawaii closed the game strong either, and I think that's what... Um, kind of that kind of hits you a little bit yeah even like how, like looking back at last season it's like we come out of halftime and the team looks flat coming out of the locker room and we always like our third quarter is all all last season that's like our lowest scoring quarter and um I don't know maybe, maybe something gotta happen in the locker room or some kind of adjustments or fire the guys up but Seems like that third quarter wall is, is always where the, we pretty much start losing the game. You know, it's like mm. you, by the time we reach the fourth quarter, it's kind of like we're probably usually like three scores behind. And then even though we make a push, it's, you know, it's kind of too late. So I don't know. Maybe it, it, it's somewhere in that to start the game, that first and third quarter, you know, that, you know. Something yeah. needs to be changed, yeah. Quite possibly. Hey, Dave, good to hear from you, my friend. Thank you for... Uh, Thanks for the call, thank, Dave. Thank you for dialing in. Uh, you can get in touch with us at 808-296-1420. Um, texter from the 233, by the way. Despite what seemed like a step backward this past week, I still think the team overall is better than where they were last year. Way better. I think if last year's team played the Stanford team, they would have probably gotten blown out. I don't know that I'd feel that way, though. Stanford was on the decline with David Shaw, which is why David Shaw retired after this year. They were not very good. It's it's uh, apples and oranges. Yeah. I, you, I think Stanford's better after game one than they were toward the end of David even Shaw. Even the Stanford there. faithful that I had the privilege of talking to, um, there's a ton of Hawaii ties with, with Stanford. And um, they were asking me what they could expect from their this Stanford team. Wow. I mean, he kept this completely under wraps. Very, very difficult to know 
what we were going to see, and they caught us by surprise. It's funny. How, you know how far under wraps? He, Troy Taylor and, and, and uh, my partner, Arnold Martinez, yeah. are good friends. And Did he ever return his call? He did. He did, but it took the entire week. I think they returned. He returned. He returned the call on Friday. So there we go. That's that's the friendship part before the game. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, surprisingly. Yeah. Um, for real. <laughs> but you know, just because you're friends, there's still a gamesmanship involved. Um, one more here. Texter from the 208. Grades. Don't we love grades? We do. Offense. C minus. Mm. Okay. Defense C. Okay. I feel like the C might be kind of generous. Yeah. Um, special teams C. I I I might knock that one up though. Um, yeah. It this wasn't, wasn't like last was week. Was not like Vandy. You had the one punt that was bad at the beginning of the game, but I felt like things. Well, you had the one punt that was bad. You had a, the one high snap. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to let two things in the you know over the course of however many special teams plays uh, sour special teams. Okay. So coaching C. Uh, I don't. Okay. But this texter says one more thing. He gives his top four, or she gives gives their top four. This texter says, Hunter, was there no fire on the sidelines? None. Wow. None. And I kept uh, – thank you to ESPN Honolulu for providing us uh, newer technology <laughs> um, because I could actually communicate up to the booth without being on the air. Yeah. Which was so beneficial. I'm sure. Oh, my gosh, dude. It was so beneficial. Um, but I, I kept – a little behind the scenes for everybody. I kept talking to John going, you guys got to keep it up in the booth. There's nothing to talk about down here. Man. <laughs> wow. And so my encouragement, and this is me as a former player, I you know pulled Jonah Pinoke to the side. Was he um, dressed, by the way? He was dressed. He was dressed. Um, talked to Jonah Chong, uh, Dalen Morris, just a few guys that were standing near me trying to get someone to go over and light a fire, especially under the offense. They were, they were dead. It, it, the, the mood was piss poor to say the least. So they're going to have to find a leader and find it quick. Um, that to me is where I worry more than score. Yeah. That you want someone that's going to try to rally everybody together. Um, you know, that's where I'm calling on Logan Taylor. That's where I'm calling on your other captains. Hey, we you need, see this we need void? It. This is where you need to be. We need it from 13. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he did it. He did get poked in the eye at one uh-huh. point. I, I do kind of wonder, and let's save this for, for when we come back from break. I wonder how that affected him the rest of the game mm, because you don't you don't see that all that often. Our Mountain West Power Rankings coming up in a little bit as well. Don't forget about athletes. You can check it out at our YouTube page and at ESPNHonolulu.com. It's presented by Central Pacific Bank, Hawaii's best bank. Dino, stay right there. We're coming to you after the break. It's off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. <laughs> 
I promise we will get to our Mountain West power rankings. Yeah. Um, which no one ever completely agrees with. That's the best thing about it. It's yeah. it's creatable content that will create discussion because no one will ever be like, hey, you got all 12 right. I totally agree with all 12 of your rankings. So, because uh, I, I haven't seen yours. We're going to, uh, well, you probably saw mine because it was on X. Or did you? I'm checking right now. Oh, now you will. I see, no, don't, don't. Keep it blind then. Okay. Keep it, keep it blind. All right. Um, to see if... if uh, I have mine in my notes app. Well, that's that's good. I did it on, if we want to sound like an old computer nerd, I wrote mine on WordPad. Nice. And- <laughs> did you have the little uh, paperclip clippy help you? I, I see you're. Uh, I see you're writing a man. That's old school. Uh huh. I see you're writing a letter. Paper clip, clippy. Do you need help with formatting? <laughs> isn't that isn't that old word or is uh-huh. that, or is that word old word pad? I don't remember. I just Gosh. remember the little paper clip guy. Clippy. Yeah. I think I was middle school <laughs> when when clippy. See, um, this is our generational thing. Liz in the other room probably doesn't even know what no clippy idea. is. She's, she's like, got her back turned she, to yeah, us. Yeah, I know. She's like, you. Oh, she's uh-huh. telling me no. I we said you probably don't even know what Clippy is. See, that's what we thought. Yeah. Um. That was uh, that was such a was it twenty years ago probably. Dude. God. No, no, nah, less than that. Clippy the paper because, clip because there were jokes about it in the office and the the office was um early to mid two thousands. Okay. Um. Clippy was removed in 2007 on Microsoft Office we Windows go. and Microsoft Office for Mac 2008 because it was uh, it was unpopular and it was drawing criticism from Microsoft employees. <laughs> Yet we remember R.I.P. to Clippy. It's cartoonish appearance. It's naggy nature and constant need for attention. You did get pretty quick on hitting the X over him whenever he would pop up. Yeah, yeah. At least I did. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, Anyway, um, we were talking about – we we have been talking about Hawaii football. Um, Braden Shager took that shot that it appeared – and we couldn't see it from upstairs, but it appeared a finger may have gotten to his right eye. Yep. Um, that seemed very, very uncomfortable. I mean, you were downstairs. Mm-hmm. What did you see, and how do you think that affected him? Well, the two runs before that, he created what little offense we could kind of uh, patch together. Mm-hmm. He ran outside the pocket, lowered his shoulder on the outside. That that was actually the height of energy on the sideline was okay. whenever he got around the corner and lowered his shoulder. Anytime a QB is, is able to prove that he's an athlete a little bit and isn't afraid of contact. It just jolts energy to the whole team. But on the next play, it, um, it just looked like a hand was trying to grab a jersey and, and poked his eye a little bit. And It happens. It definitely does. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he puts on a clear visor or not. Did it look like he had trouble keeping his eye open um, from your perspective? Only the first team meeting on the field team huddle whenever uh, Timmy called timeout and they kind of collaborated, his eye was shut. Wow. I didn't notice that the rest of the game. So I think he – 
it was good that he stayed in. He was able to play through it. Yeah, I I I felt pretty proud of him that he was able to kind of kind of work through that. Didn't seem like he made any excuses. Wanted to be out there. It's the kind of toughness I wanted to see from him. I didn't I didn't feel like he looked um, you know, extremely affected by it. Mm. So, um I, I think that's him growing up too. I, I I feel like that's something you have to give him credit for. You're seeing his maturity in him kind of growing up and, and handling some of that pain and handling some of that pressure um in real time. So yeah. I kinda I kinda liked seeing that. Um We'll, we'll go to power rankings at the top of the next hour, but I, you, you Albany, um, you know, the great Danes, should we be concerned? Because let's be honest, they had a two touchdown lead on Marshall and ultimately Marshall said we are, and, um, came back to win, but it was a very close outing. Albany could very well have been coming into this game two and zero, oh, hmm. uh, but instead they're one and one. I feel like you know, are we on Marshall's level? Are we above Marshall's level? Are we below Marshall's level? I I, I don't know how to necessarily frame this Saturday's game, um, but I will say I will amend something. I I think I had told you a week or two ago that I felt like the bar on where this Hawaii team would be, would be this Albany game. I'm going to take that back because um, I don't know if this, what this game is going to tell me. So my bar now is that New Mexico State game because I think for most people, yeah. 0-2 is where we expect it to be. Albany game supposed to be a win. People expect it to be 1-2. Most people know what to expect from the Oregon game. We talked about the Stanford game maybe being one of those trenches that the ball could bounce our way mm-hmm. and steal one. Yeah. It actually was the Vandy game. Yeah. The Vandy game was was that um I uh, categorization. Yeah. So Stanford handled us. It wasn't even that close on the the scoreboard. For what the scoreboard showed was not the feeling of that game. We never really had a chance in that game it felt like. Right. Um, unfortunately, but I, I'm with you, Josh. I we'll dig into this game a little bit more, but I feel like this is our opportunity to see what this offense is made of. How fast can it go? What 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 is the length, width, height that it has the potential to do? I weirdly enough am really excited to to continue this conversation and keep it going. Sports Center, our first look at traffic coming up. You're off the bench. Uh, Brian Seaman, Clippers play-by-play voice, uh, coming up in just a little while. Tickets on sale today for that uh, Clippers and Jazz uh, preseason NBA game that will benefit uh, the Maui Relief. Uh, So that coming up bottom of the hour. Arnold Martinez in an hour with our uh, Tuesday turnaround. It's gotten a little contentious here in the room. Um, our teams are playing Giants and Cubs, and um, one of the few times we actually get to see Wrigley from Hawaii. Yeah, uh, and not only that, normally this game would be blacked out mm. because uh, the Giants are in our market, but not today. This is a uh, full national, and so uh, we turned it on a moment ago, and the first thing that we see 
Uh, say a Suzuki go yard for a two-run home run to tie the game in the bottom of the seventh inning. So, oh, no. Uh, oh. Having I, trouble with the wind. Welcome to the Windy City. Uh, can I can I go back and um, hey Liz, can you change the channel? <laughs> um, nope. Keep this it. Is, this is awful because literally, turn it on. Two run home run, pitching change, and then a left fielder who can't handle the wind and he stumbles and falls. Um, <sighs> this is. Uh, Thanks. That, that'll be uh, that'll be played on Friday in the uh, not top ten. Josh. That is that is correct. That was Jock Peterson uh, who had trouble there. Uh, it is off the bench here on ESPN Honolulu. Hunter Hughes, Josh Pacheco. Time to uh, unveil our unofficial Mountain West power rankings. Uh, and this year, because Hunter's boom, here, boom, boom. we are uh, we're having Hunter here so we can compare. I've done it the last couple of years. What was, what was last year's theme? If Tanner's listening, he would remember. Um, last year's theme was that people thought I was stiffing Wyoming because I had Wyoming lower than people thought. And my thing was, Wyoming offensively is not showing me a lot. Hmm. Tough, competitive team, but just lacking. And so I always had Wyoming a little bit lower. Um and then at the end of the year, as we saw Wyoming, you know, be Wyoming, um, you know, you kind of go back to all those individuals and be like, yeah, it was, am I, you know, am I really stiffing Wyoming, Wyoming, Wyoming? Uh, am I, am I really stiffing Wyoming? Um, you know, it's, it's, it, you know, they finished seven and six. Yeah. So, you know, what do you want me to do? Um, let's, let's start bottom three. Uh, and, and then we'll go, uh, go to top three. Okay. Um, Let's start. Yeah, let, let's let's start with twelve. Uh, Hunter, who do you have as the worst team in the Mountain West? Sorry, New Mexico. Yeah, yep. Uh, we're both in agreement there. Yep. Uh, you, know, you, you played There's what? Not much to say. They played what A and M? I think it was. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you're going to lose to Texas A and M, but I mean, just the lack of offensive output um, yep. on on all sides. Not very good. Uh, Eleven. Um, really the, the bottom six, Josh, I think you could make a case to argue top or bottom, Okay, you know, or, or mix and match all of these, but uh, I've got Utah state. Ooh, wow. Okay. You've got Utah state at 11 and then T- tell me why. Well, Colorado state is number, number 10. Okay. So the, I'm making that case. I think you should. It's fair to just clump those three. Those are the bottom three. Okay. Okay. In our um, conference, I had Utah State at seven. Oh my! And you know, I I know Iowa is not this great offensive team, but it was a ten point game to a number twenty five team in the nation. Um, Cooper I was not high scoring. No, no, and you know they were they were at twenty four yep. for that game. Cooper Lega threw the ball forty eight times. Wow. 48. Um, you know, 213 yards. So it's not a lot. Terrell Vaughn had a great day. 12 catches, 93 yards and a touchdown. I felt like they were in it against Iowa. I I felt like there was a chance or there there's a how would I put it? There is the possibility of improvement for the Utah State team. Okay. On the road in Iowa. But I think your point's right. Um, you know, there is 
not a lot of separation between seven through twelve. That's right. right? That, that's, that's very fair. That's the way that I'm looking at it as well. Um, so, so remind me who you had at ten. Uh, Colorado State. Okay. Okay. I had Hawaii at ten. Okay. Um, Homer. <laughs> yeah. Paul the antagonist called me a Homer on X because Every, I had Hawaii at ten. Everyone knows I'm a Homer, so um, that's fine. You know, I I felt like there was some regression, you know, but I, I don't think it was all on on that. I just I I looked at UNLV and by the way, UNLV won. Uh, I, I forgot to put that down. I looked at Colorado State. They were at home against Washington State and lost. Um but they put up some points on they Washington did. State. Uh, That's it, the only reason I had them yeah. not in the bottom two. Yeah. So you know Utah State down through New Mexico, you know I I, I think are are fairly close. Now also I I will say my my baseline was the preseason rankings that the Mountain West put out. So I kind of like shuffled it from there. Gotcha. Okay. But that was that was my starting point. Um, I think you also factor in. I don't know what I, I don't know Cam Stone's situation. Yeah, that was scary. Um, the yeah. way he kind of went down that that you know the 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 contact came from behind. Yep. Um, it took him a while to get up, and when he got up, there was no pressure on that left foot or yep. left leg. And the reaction on the sideline, I didn't get to talk about it during the game. All of the DBs came over, surrounded him, and prayed. Wow, with him, it was a very emotional, down kind of a vibe around him on the sideline. And he was ultimately taken off on a cart. He was uh, maybe about ten minutes later. Mm-hmm. He is, and and right now, Pofele Ashclock is is the best player Hawaii has on on the field yep. right now, just the way he's playing. Yep. But coming into the year, we would have said that about Cam Stone. Yep, and one of the leaders of our team. Yeah, right along with Jonah Kahavai Welch and uh, Logan Taylor. Like those are those are the three, right there. I you know I factor that in. Um, if Cam Stone and, and again not knowing if he's not playing on Saturday or moving forward, um, Hawaii's backfield's kind of depleted. Uh, defensively, I'm I'm a little concerned about the over aggression. Uh, we saw Meki Pei and Isaiah Tufunga both get called for, for targeting. Pei will play. Tufunga will miss the first half. That's kind of where I, I I put Hawaii at 10. Mm. Um, where do you have Hawaii, by the way? I have Hawaii at 8. Okay. Okay. So just because of how we played against an SEC opponent, mm-hmm. I, I hold that Vandy game with a lot of weight on what Hawaii could be later in this year. Um we still have shown with our offense with not much of a running attack that we we can move the ball and we can score points. Yeah. I love that we uh have not been shy of 20 points a game. This last week too, you know, we had 24 and the week prior to that we had 28. Um I've said it for weeks now. The benchmark for us is one score a quarter. Mm-hmm. One touchdown a quarter. If we can be right around there, we're going to be right around a lot of these games, um, and then give or take a turnover or two, we might be we might be in the thirties. So I, I think that's a good mark for where we're at. And you know, with respect to that, I'll just give you my my bottom six. Sure. Okay. So San Jose is at number seven. 
Okay. Ooh, okay. I've got them at number seven right now because, yes, they, they played two good teams, um, but they didn't do anything in this second game, and they're 0-2. So I, I'm trying to, unlike you, I did not use the preseason Right. M- Mountain West Power Rankings. And that's cool. I, I think it's cool I, that we have different I, baselines. That's right. I started mine just from, from scratch. And they are certainly, because of their um, their talent, their ability, Chevron Cordero mainly, have the ability to be competitive in this conference later on in the year. Just right now, it's it's tough to say after you, you played USC. Um, and then who did they play second? Did they play Washington? Uh, San Jose State played Oregon State. Um, okay, yep, and Oregon State handled them. So um, I think last I checked, Oregon State's number 16 in the land. So I got them at 7, Hawaii, Nevada, Colorado State, Utah State, New Mexico. Those are my bottom six. Whew. San Jose State's going to be a good talking point for us here um, in, in a little bit. Uh, texture from the 292 says uh, Hawaii in the bottom three. Where? In the bottom three, texter from the 292. I feel like just saying bottom three is like a non-committal answer. Bottom three, but you won't just 10 or 11 or 12. You know, just you know, own it. Mm. Where, where are you going to pin them? Yeah. Uh, top three. I'll start here. Okay. Um, I have Air Force at three. Um, you know, I, I don't know that we truly know everything about Air Force. And yep. I, I think I could say that about a lot of the top team or, or most of the top teams. But I think... Um, I could fairly say that about Air Force. Um, I feel like looking longer term, these games with a smaller amount of plays because of the way the clock runs benefits Air Force. I I think they may benefit from it more than most other teams. Yeah, with with their veer, triple option, running attack. Um, Cole McDonald brought that up the other day when I was on the phone with him talking about they more than maybe even some power five schools are going to benefit from that rule change. Yep. Um, uh, Zach Larrier, two rushing touchdowns, passing touchdown. Uh, what did they run for in that game? Uh, they ran for 380. Dang. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I have them at three. Who do you have at three? Uh, San Diego. Wow. Yeah. They're... I believe the lone two and O team mm-hmm. in yep. the Mountain West. So I have Air Force at four right okay. there. So I think I agree with what you said. You could probably make the case for either of those uh-huh. in a, in a uh, switch swap. I have um, San Diego State at six, by the way. Okay. Uh, well, we can we can talk about that a little bit later. Number two, I have Fresno State. Um, I was I was impressed with Mikey Keene, mm. their quarterback. Um, you know, I, I'm getting flashbacks of of Jake Hayner. I'm getting flashbacks of yeah. Carr back in the, you know when I say back in the day a couple of years ago. Um, I, I'm getting flashbacks of really good Fresno State quarterbacks, um, but Fresno State did everything. You know, I, I get flashbacks of great Fresno State receivers, and I see Elijah Gilliam. Oh, I'm sorry. I see Eric Brooks, nine catches, 170 yards. Um, Gilliam ran for 93. Keen throws for 366. This is a team that had almost 500 yards of offense. Um, I have them at two 
mm-hmm. because I don't necessarily believe Purdue is this awesome Big Ten team. I have Purdue at middle down. Okay. So it kind of it, it lightens my view of the Fresno State win. But for anybody who was a non-believer in Fresno State coming into the year, I think that game tells you Fresno State's going to compete for a Mountain West title. Yep. Uh, you're number two. Um, well, my number one is actually Fresno. Awesome. So okay. I, I think Fresno beating Purdue, the Power Five, and getting that check before they get on the plane <laughs> from Purdue. Uh, for, I hope they cashed it already. Oh, my gosh. So awesome. Even though I hate Fresno. Uh, just the fact that anybody from our conference goes up and, and beats a team from the Big Ten is is a job well done. So, yeah, just emotionally looking at that win, I give them the nod over the Wyoming win over Texas Tech. So you um, have Wyoming at two? I have Wyoming at two. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Yep. Um, I have... I have Boise at one, by the way. Um, Even though the loss to Washington. Yeah, it's it's hard to judge losing to a top 10 team at their place. Okay. Um, you know, Taylor Green, it, it's going to be tough for Taylor Green. Look, you're, you're going to be judged against a Heisman candidate, Michael Penix Jr. Okay, I, I just feel like one of, uh, you know, you throw Fresno or Wyoming in that game against Washington, they probably score some more points. Okay. I think Fresno might. I don't think Wyoming does. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's the hard thing when you're a group of five conference team with a lot of your games when you're on the road or against some power conference schools, and there yep. there are going to be mismatches. Um, so yeah, I I try to look a little bit at like some of the the numbers, and that's where you know with Boise, you know Holani got his. You know they still had almost 400. In fact, I think they got over 400 yards of offense against Washington. So I kind of looked at that as like, I could still keep Boise on top. I want to see what Boise state does later. Um, yep. you know, there's, they got UCF and I think that's a great, that'll be a good great game. Great barometer, um, to see, okay, there's another power conference team, but how do you look upper echelon group of five versus middle tier, big 12. Well, not only middle tier Big 12, I would actually say upper echelon group of five still for UCF. Oh, uh, yeah. This is their first year in the Power Five. Right. So, right. yes, technicality speaking, they're in the Power Five. Right. But they are the Boise of the South. Yeah. Very similar um, in their makeup and their recruiting and what they've been able to accomplish. So, to me... Not only good barometer, I think that could be a really good game this next week. I agree. Uh, that will kick off 1 o'clock Hawaii time on uh, Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I want to get to the Wyoming part. We'll do that coming up on the other side. Uh, my concern about Wyoming is the same concern I've had about Wyoming for a couple of years now. We'll do that coming up. Uh, don't forget the Craig Angeles Show. Uh, it is back September 12th at uh, uh, Velocity. In Honolulu, make sure you check it out. Canole, he hosting alongside uh, Craig Angeles on uh, Kapilani Boulevard. Food and drink available for purchase. Valet parking at the MW Restaurant as well. It's brought to you by the JN Group. Traffic here, your texts and calls coming up. It's off the bed, GSP in Honolulu. (laughs) 
Uh, Clippers play by Playboy's Brian Seaman coming up in uh, just about eight minutes. It is off the bench here on ESPN Honolulu. All right. A um, couple of teams I think we both can kind of go back and forth on in our uh, Mountain West Power Rankings. Our unofficial Mountain West Power Rankings. You have Hawaii at eight, I think is what you said. Yes. I have Hawaii at 10. But I think the two teams we um, – I, I think we we're kind of drastically different on. Let's start with San Jose State. Okay. I have San Jose State at four. You have them at seven, I believe. Seven. You have them at four. I have them at four. I don't judge them as much about who they lost to, being USC and Oregon State. I mean, Uyunglele may find himself in the Heisman conversation if he continues to play this well, and Caleb Williams, now a Wendy spokesperson, um, Mm, already is. Yeah, he and Matt Leinart. Um, And Reggie Bush. I don't know if Reggie got booted, though. Oh, did he might have. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I look at what they did offensively against uh, USC. I was impressed by that. I I, I didn't see that as much in the uh, um, the Oregon State game, but I still see the potential in San Jose State's offense that I had them at four over Wyoming five and, and, and San Diego State at six. So this is where you kind of – can get lost in the sauce, or at least I mm-hmm. can, where what have they showed us? What is still yet to be shown? Yeah. And so one of those teams is Boise. Mm-hmm. I still feel like Boise has much more to show, and I think you agree. Boise's still your number one. Yes. So I'm Boise's still ahead for San Jose for me. That's why um, I have – so I'll give you my middle tier right now because it will help you understand why I have gotcha. San Jose at seven. Yeah, I've got Air Force at four. I've got Boise at five. Okay. I've got UNLV at six. Okay. Okay. So all three of those teams, with exception to maybe UNLV, I think that comparison to San Jose is very close. Air Force and Boise are just better. Okay. Right now, I feel that. Um However, hold that thought. Yep. Because uh, let's get Sports Center. Let's get traffic in. Brian Seaman's going to join us on the other side. It's off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. Got an M Dyer Global scoreboard coming up in the next 10 to 15 minutes, uh, which includes uh, your Cubs, my Giants playing uh, postseason awful baseball. Awful yet fun postseason like baseball. For real. It feels like it's October 5th. We're less than a month away from that. Yes. Yes. And both of our teams could be there. Wow. Uh, so we'll we'll get into the scoreboard coming up in uh, in just a little bit. Um, we It's not often we get to get some good television talent on, uh, on this radio program. Brian Seaman, who is the uh, play-by-play voice for the Los Angeles Clippers on Valley Sports uh, LA joins us now, or Bally Sports West, I beg your pardon, um, joins us now here on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, Brian, appreciate your time. Obviously, uh, today's a big day because the tickets uh, went on sale for the exhibition game against, or not exhibition, I keep saying that, preseason game against the uh, Utah Jazz coming up on October 8th. Well, I got to be honest, it's really difficult to start your work year in Hawaii, drinking Mai Tais and watching the sunset in the Moana Surf Rider. I, 
<laughs> I don't know how I do it. I really don't. It's uh, hazard pay. No, looking very much forward to it. It's, um, what, almost four weeks away, and I've been ready since May for the season to begin, and I'm very – I'll tell you, we started coming out in Hawaii in 2017, and obviously with the pandemic, we had to put that on hiatus, but I'm so fired up to be back. I know the team feels the same way, and I'll tell you, those games have been a lot of fun. We have played, uh, sometimes we've played two there, um, and it's just a great, great atmosphere, great energy. Looking forward to it. Clippers.com, um, and the click on the uh, the tickets button, it, it is there. You know, this game obviously takes a, a, a different meaning. It is It is the preseason opener. Um, for for the Clippers and and for the Utah Jazz, but obviously the different meaning is that that both of these teams are taking on um, is that this game is uh, also a benefit for uh, Maui relief, and that is something I know the Clippers have very much uh, really taken to heart when when announcing this game. So as as much as you're kind of ready for the season, there is still also that on your mind uh, going into a game like this. You know, one of the neat things about working for the Clippers ever since Steve Ballmer has taken over, and I think this is year 17 overall for me, Steve Ballmer, this will be, I think, year 9 or 10. Uh, it's always been bigger than basketball when you have Steve Ballmer as your owner, and the things he has done in the communities have been outrageous, and, and most of them are unpublicized. So this is no surprise to those who work that he wants that work for the Clippers that uh, he and the organization, along with the Jazz, are, are looking beyond you know their own situation and uh, our neighbors in Maui and, and, and the devastation that has happened there. So it's not a surprise. And I know the players, there's some pride there, too, to be chipping in whenever they can. And uh, certainly our thoughts have been in Maui for a long time. Can I ask you, I mean, to, to transition back to, to being here, it's kind of a weird transition. You've been You've been coming here now for several years now as as TV voice, but you were on the radio side uh, before that. So, have you come up with your own um, your own traditions? You know, coming to Hawaii every year. I mean, this used to be Lakers country. That has changed. The Clippers have now taken over uh, Hawaii here for for the preseason camps. Have you come up with your own uh, Hawaii tradition? The answer is yes, and it's funny. I was never a beach kind of holiday guy. I did not care about sunsets at all. My wife was always like, I want to go to Hawaii. I want to go to Hawaii. And so we found out 2017 we're going. I'm like, okay. So I brought my very young boys at the time, and we were sitting there having dinner, and we stayed at a very nice hotel, and we were seeing the sunset like right in front of us melt into the ocean I've got a Mai Tai, which I'd never had before, and I'm like, oh, my God, I, we need to move here. This is unbelievable. So even when the Clippers haven't gone uh, to Waikiki Beach in Honolulu, my, I've taken my family there on my own dime. We love it so much. Um, and just, you know, just relaxing in the beach and watching the sunset. I think when we're out there, it's around 530. I think it's when the sun goes down, and that's been our tradition. My boys even love it. Uh, they've got a great band in the bar that we sit in. They just play great music. And I, I tell you what, man, it is, it's a slice of heaven to me. I don't know if I'm going to make it to heaven, quite honestly, but I know I'm pretty close when I'm watching the sunset right there on the beach in Hawaii. I've done pretty good. Brian Seaman joining us, Clippers play-by-play voice with us here off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. Um, let, let's talk a little bit about kind of the upcoming year. I, I know you mentioned going back to May, uh, just kind of excited about, you know, being ready for the upcoming season. Obviously, one of those things 
is that in-season tournament now that the the NBA is putting in. I know it might be confusing for some, so we'll, we'll kind of get it situated as we go. How, how do you feel about the implementation of that tournament? Because I feel like the Clippers could be very much in it. I, you know, to be honest, I really don't know how I feel about it. Um, I, I appreciate that the NBA is always trying to enhance the game. I know that we were told about this maybe three or four years ago, and one of the reasons being was that they were tired of having only one winner in a season. And I, I, I disagreed with that mindset on a lot of levels. But I also think that you've got players that aren't playing every game, and, and, and in the beginning of the in the season – you can keep interest, you can keep it going, you can keep the players kind of really motivated to play for something uh, in December. So we'll see how it works. I feel that the Clippers could win, Yeah, honestly, you know, ever since they've been able to get Kawhi and PG, whenever those guys are on the floor, I feel like you're going to go 82-0. I really believe that. Uh, so, yeah, they're definitely a, a threat to win it. Um, but right now it doesn't mean much to me. If I'm being very honest, there's no history to it. I don't know how hard it is going to be to win. Uh, and at the end of the day, quite honestly, I'd rather have the Larry O'Brien trophy, but you got to take them as they come. And I think the Clippers will be ready. One of the things that's really going to be interesting, and I think you'll see a little bit of it in the preseason game that we'll have there, is that they're going to attack the regular season in a much different fashion than they have in years past. And I think part of that is a mindset of, you know, maybe not having back-to-back losses, certainly eliminate a three-game losing streak, kind of playing through a turned ankle and really getting after it from the word go, not using training camp to get into shape, be into shape. And I think you're going to see the fruits of that. And because of that, I think you're right. They'll have a good shot at winning that in-season tournament. But it's all about what happens in June for this team. That's where their goal is. That's where the roster is. And I think that's what we've all been waiting for ever since they got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. You know, we've talked about the in-season tournament, and the the tricky thing is the question of incentive. And we've on this show, you know, asked yeah. asked amongst ourselves what could the NBA do to kind of up the incentive for guys to play hard in this in-season tournament. And our our thing that we really like is the thought of could there be a way of the champion of the in-season tournament getting an automatic bid into the play-in tournament mm-hmm. for the for the postseason. What do you think about that? The play-in tournament would be interesting. You'd really have some of those teams that are on the fringe going all out. You know that would be interesting. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't think that's a terrible idea. I think the financial rewards to me they don't matter. I yeah. mean, I think what ends up happening is a team that wins it's going to play eighty-three games. I think that's how the schedule was broken down. And ultimately, the winners will each get half a million dollars for that extra game, which if you look at the highest paid players, some of them, that's a, that's a pay cut. That's, to be honest with you. Yeah. I'm not even being funny. If you're making over $50 million, that's a pay cut almost. So I, the financial reward to me it doesn't do anything. A draft pick doesn't help the players. They wouldn't care. But putting them into a spot where they could be in the playoffs, like they get that minimum, they get that eight spot, for the play-in tournament out of the uh, six, seven, and eight kind of slots there. That's that's not a terrible idea, but we'll see how this turns out, uh, and I think it's going to take a few years. The problem that I have, my love of sports revolves around history mm-hmm. and what does this mean, and, and right now there is none, and I don't fault Adam Silver for it. I don't fault the front office in the NBA. I, let's, let's see how it works. I'm open-minded. I, like I said, I really just don't know how I feel because it doesn't mean anything today, and it probably won't mean anything 
for 10 years. And then I wonder about, okay, you win the, in, you, you win the, you know, the tournament in season, and then you're going to start hearing about the, the possible curse of, well, if you win the in-season tournament, no one's ever won the big thing. So I honestly, I hope that stuff just gets wiped away in the first couple of years. So you don't have these guys not playing. If you guys follow golf, I'm a big golf oh, fan. Yeah. No one that's ever won the par three at the Masters has won the tournament overall. So, like, I don't want that kind of thing going on. But, again, I applaud the NBA. For a junkie like me, every game is the Super Bowl, to be really straight with you. So I get that sometimes you need to enhance things to keep everybody involved, and I understand. Brian Stevens, the play-by-play voice for the Los Angeles Clippers uh, on Valley Sports West. He joins us here on ESPN Honolulu. What I'm kind of interested in looking forward to uh, here in the upcoming year, a year, if, if they can keep this together, of Russell Westbrook, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Paul George um, you know, really kind of sinking together, especially with Russ, and we know how Russ has a chip on his shoulder every time he is on the floor and I think plays that way. I'm I'm really interested to see how that group, if given the entire year and given they can stay injury free, can can really put something together. Obviously the teams that win it all usually have some of the best luck in terms of health. That's not to say that they aren't skilled. That's that's not what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Staying healthy is number one. I, I will say this. You you look back at last year's roster for the Clippers and I don't know how closely you or your listeners followed the NBA last year, but to be honest and, and take my affiliation with the team aside, it was the most talented roster in the NBA. But when you watch them throughout the year, it just never felt like there was a competitive spirit of, of, of a kind of like a killer nature. Like, and that's how you have to be if you want to win it all, just a mindset of cutthroat basketball. Now that said, you're bringing in Russell Westbrook, who only knows that speed. And when you come in with 20 games in the regular season, which is what he did, he started after the all-star break. I think you can lead, but you can't go all out. You can't start calling people out five days after you've arrived. You can do it starting in a training camp environment, and you can set the tone. I had my reservations about Russell Westbrook and the role that he would play with the Clippers and how would he accept, you know, maybe being the third, you know, the third guy, fourth guy, fifth option on the team. I will say this. I was blown away by his, his competitive nature, which we kind of knew, but when you see it every night, it's a different story. And I think people will follow him. Last year's, you know, loss was injury-related, but throughout the regular season, you never got a vibe that these guys were going to get it done, that these guys were killers. Russell Westbrook, the intangibility, that leadership, that cutthroat mentality that he plays with, whether it's a preseason game or game seven of the NBA Finals, you'd never know it by watching him. I think that is going to trickle down through everybody. And like I mentioned earlier, they're really taking the regular season kind of in a different light. I, I, I'm going to attribute a lot of success potentially to Russell Westbrook and his leadership ability. Brian, uh, appreciate you giving us some time. I, I think we missed Terrence. Terrence was here uh, last week. I think yeah. he was at the University of Hawaii game uh, on Friday. Uh, but, yeah, we're looking forward to seeing you here when uh, when, when you guys are here in uh, just about a month. So uh, uh, thanks for giving us a little bit of your time. Uh, find me on the beach on October 3rd. I'll have a Mai Tai for you guys. Come on over. We'll chop it up. Deal. Deal. Brian, appreciate Thanks, it. Brian. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Brian Stevens, the play-by-play voice for the uh, Los Angeles Clippers. He joins us here uh, on ESPN Honolulu as all of our guests appear 
courtesy of our hotline. I've never had a Mai Tai. <laughs> don't laugh. Don't I'm don't don't laugh. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just I'm, I've 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 as I've gotten older, I've just become just like a beer guy. All right, I get that. Do you? You sure? See, when I when I <laughs> when when I got started, yeah, I was I was all in on the Jaegers, uh-huh. the Jaeger bombs, and the uh, um, some of the much harder stuff. And then as okay. I got as I got older and realized, you know. I'm I'm not that fun. Well, and, and Hunter's face is like, you damn right, you're not that no. fun. No, <laughs> um, just I, depends on I, who you're talking to. I, I just said, you know what? Fun is in the eye of the I, beholder. I, you know what? Beers for me. Mm. So, um, yeah, and 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 honestly, sometimes craft I, beer or uh, light beer. Light beer. Okay. Uh, occasionally, I mean, occasionally the the Heinekens and. Um, you know some of that, but yeah, no, normally the 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 light beer. Okay. Um, not the uh, the Pabst Blue Ribbon, and no, not the Natty. Not the Natty not, light. Not not the Natty. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I uh, I kind of keep myself there. Okay. I, that's, that's that's my comfort level. Uh, but yeah, good to have Brian. Maybe maybe if he supplies that, I'll just bring like a six pack or something, and we'll just we'll we'll call it even. Yeah. I mean. I almost was going to go down and ask him what his favorite, you know, local Hawaii food was because he seems mm. pretty well versed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's 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 a good point. Um, I, I think once he said drinks and he mentioned Mai Tais a couple times, I just felt like, OK, that's 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 the good line there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's going to be coming up. To, uh, tickets on sale. Clippers dot com. If you want to be a part of that uh, preseason game and again, proceeds. Uh, benefiting Maui Relief and the uh, the Hawaii Community Foundation is uh, is a part of that. All right, uh, M Dyer Global Scoreboard brought to you by M Dyer Global, always on the move. Uh, Hunter and I are watching this one very very intently. Uh, top of the ninth inning, the Cubs have an eleven eight lead on the uh, San Francisco the Giants. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's been fun. It's been ugly all at the same time. Uh, top of the ninth, we're uh, we're watching that game. It's over on uh, TBS, so you can check it out. Uh, Major League Baseball, uh, Yankees with a win earlier today, five to one. Uh, Orioles over the Angels, two nothing. Bottom four. Colorado leading Arizona, three to one. Bottom four. Uh, A's, Jays, no score. Top five. Fathers up on the Phillies, three to nothing. Top five. That's your M Dyer Global scoreboard. M Dyer Global. Always on the move. Off the bench here on ESPN Honolulu. Just take those old records off the shelf. Hey, the Timmy Chang Show is coming up uh, tomorrow night, 6 p.m. at its original time. Ruby Tuesday in the Moana Lua Shopping Center. Coach Timmy Chang, uh, along with uh, John Veneri. Special guest, Pofele Ashlock. <laughs> Love it. Be there at uh, Ruby Tuesday Moana Lua. I think he'll be with Mark in uh, in segment four. So that should be a lot of fun. Check that out. Uh, rebroadcasts, by the way, Thursday, 11 a.m. on uh, here on ESPN Honolulu and Thursday night at 6 on K-High. So if you miss it tomorrow, plenty of ways for, uh, for you to catch up on it. All right. Uh, Hunter, question for you Ooh. via our Zephyr Insurance text line. Would it benefit Tylen Hines if he lined up in the pistol? 
running back draw, etc. What would be the difference as opposed to lining up next to the quarterback in the shotgun? Just wondering what could get Tylen Hines an, an, an advantage. And I'll I'll bookend the question or, or, or follow up on the question saying, I'm glad the question is being phrased that way because it has been a, a, a tough couple of games for Tylen Hines. But yeah. is it something Hawaii can do? To kind of let him loose, but yeah, um, answer that question on on what if that could benefit Tylen Hines. Yeah, it's a good question. I I don't know if it's so much having to do with um, alignment, if it's having to do with our scheme. Something is not working with the way that we're blocking up front, and along with that, you know. If you get him in space, we we saw it at different times last week, you know, when Shager threw that little dump pass to him in space and he made that DB fall over. Um, he's incredibly shifty. The The problem is just finding the space to put him in. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they start trying some different things. Um, the other kind of um, Achilles heel, if you will, with our offense is at times we will try to do some sort of a run pass option without putting the opposing defensive end in any kind of predicament because they know Shager is not going to pull the ball. Mm -hmm. Now, thankfully, Shager did pull and run a few times this last week. And so we have it on film that he can actually get some positive yards. We don't need him to be Mike Vick. Right. We just need him to scare that outside end enough for him to take that take that uh, running back QB mesh, take that seriously, and bite on that fake a little bit. So if we're going to continue to do that, um, we, we we still need Shager to pull the ball every once in a while just to keep that guy honest. So that I'm looking at that, and maybe if we keep incorporating some RPO, it could create the space for number two. George says, uh, in his limited touches so far, Tylen Hines looks like he has no juice. This upcoming game needs to be a confidence booster for him. I don't think it has anything to do with juice. Um, when he does run he's incredibly electric the the problem is you run into filled holes mm -hmm. and he's not a big guy you can't juke if there's no space right so our our uh, our old line is not getting to the second level blocking linebackers and so they're kind of caught up in the middle and before you know it Thailand's having to try to bounce it outside to make something happen. So it's uh, it's something I'm sure the coaches have their eyes on and trying to do something about it. Texter from the 281. This, Matt, you have a box on washer. Uh, wrong person, buddy. Um, but then, uh, <laughs> Sorry, that was her earlier in the show, and I know it was not meant to go to us. I just figured I'd just read it out loud anyway. <laughs> you have a box on washer. Got a box on the washer. It's probably from Amazon. Uh, <laughs> but the real text, there's no pistol offense. It's all run and shoot offense. That was a promise. Yeah, I mean, uh... e even during, uh, you know, Rolo's era, though, we would incorporate the pistol 
from Shotgun. It just uh, the and the reason for that is you put those linebackers in a predicament pre-snap because they don't know which way the running back is going to is going to go. Mm-hmm. And then if you don't know where that's going, you don't know where the the line is going to shift. You don't know. Um, it, it's just pre-snap. All of the all of the um, the cards are in the offensive offense's hands right. on where we're going to go, what we're going to do. So you, you're able to kind of veil that from the pistol. All right. Um, since we're talking about football, uh, we've got a pair of tickets for you to check out the Great Danes of Albany and the Rainbow Warriors of Hawaii. Uh, since we're up against the clock, uh, let's do caller number four at eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty, and caller number four is going to score those tickets to check out Albany and Hawaii. We'll tell you who the winner is coming up after Sports Center and traffic. It's off the bench, ESPN Honolulu. Hey, look, mommy. Hunter, do you know what time it is? Tuesday turnaround. That's right. And uh, our favorite individual, the coach, Arnold Martinez, uh, joining us here on Off the Bench on ESPN Honolulu. We invite you, by the way, um, be a part of the segment like Coach is. Uh, coach is the star here. Um, I'm just the guy hanging out. It's it's Coach and Hunter and me just kind of steering. Uh, but you can connect with us as well at 808 808- Two nine six fourteen twenty. I promised we wouldn't talk about Clemson. So uh, let's let's look back to Friday, Coach. Um, ultimately, that's a good one. Good, yeah. Ultimately, we won't. Uh, yeah. Ultimately, what did you take away from uh, from what either Hawaii did or didn't do, or what Stanford did um, in that Friday game? Well, I mean, I think there's a lot to take away both offensively and defensively, but I think the biggest thing is is that, um, you know, just folks can temper expectations a little bit. Obviously, I think Stanford's still a Power 5 school. I think there's a disparity in, um, in recruiting and in athletes. And um, But for Hawaii to, to fight in, to go in there and fight and put up the 24 points, uh, you know, I, I, I still think that's a positive now. I also think that there's a lot of disappointment in, in a number of things, too, and I think that's just because the potential and the hope, uh, seeing some things uh, that were very much improved um, in the first game and then some regression in the second game. You know, I, I got to give credit before we go any further to, on, on Hawaii. I, I got to give credit to your, to your guy, Troy Taylor. I, I thought he coached yeah. a heck of a game. Um, you know, it, it yeah. felt like Hawaii was on its toes for a good chunk of the game, not knowing what to expect. And even when Stanford was starting to give you something to prepare for, they'd flip the script. It totally changed. It, yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I, I thought he coached one yeah. heck of a game. He, he did, you know, and I, and I had some things like, you know, specifics I'll get into, but, you know, defensively for UH, I mean, honestly, not, not too much. I mean, they had a number of good plays in the secondary versus the deep ball early. I thought um, a few good run stops versus QB power because they were kind of learning that on the fly. They were learning how to defend in the moment. Um, You know, just because of the lack of film and how Troy was going to do it, I'm sure they had an idea, but you can't simulate what what he did, you know, um, exactly. And so 
they were coming out to fight. They also got out the field three times without allowing a score. I don't know if that's enough, but I mean, you got to find some positives. But but negatives to your point, they just you know misalignments. They could not handle the tempo. Stanford came out in hyper speed in the beginning, which was <clears throat> you know just an attack mode, multiple form, multiple formations, shifts. I mean, the play diversity. What you just talked about at Stanford was. Uh, I thought it was fantastic, and you know, giving up, uh, you know, again, some other day we got to talk about it, but that that allowed them to have 158 net yards in rushing Stanford, and so, um, and then pass defense for UH giving up 248. That's a total of 406 yards. I think in the pass defense too, they were, they I thought they were just on their heels all the time, whether it be run or pass. And then when it was a pass, you see a lot of guys kind of getting lost in coverage. And for sure, the linebackers were getting lost, couldn't cover the tight end. Jurassic. I, I pronounced that correctly there. Yeah, yeah, you did. Um, and, <laughs> um, but just very, and I think, again, the regression part of it was very low production compared to the first game. Remember, we had all the TFLs, the sacks. That's right. Now you're looking at a game with four TFLs for minus seven yards total, six pass breakups, and then that's it. Zero sacks, zero QB hurries. Again, to your point, a function of what Stanford was running and how they ran it. Um, you, you know, that, 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 that was critical. You know, give, give them credit. The diversity of the scheme, the operation was locked in. Again, hyperspeed at the start. And then when UH, uh, they hit UH with multiple formation shifts, motions, a ton of misdirection in the power and counter run game. Um, and in the passing game, the QB got the ball out fast, very decisive. He didn't hold the ball. The ball was coming out. They, it was predetermined where it was going to go. I thought a lot of times they were in the attack mode all the time. As soon as UH tried to adjust, like you said, Troy Taylor gave a different look, basically had UH guessing. And then at halftime, I think I mentioned to you this, the UH staff spent all their entire halftime adjusting to what they ran, you know, what they saw based on the first half, which is what you should do. And then Troy Taylor, how smart to see, he comes out with a totally different scheme in the second half. Split back, zone read, power runs. Just very smart. Uh, and, I, I, you know, I think to some degree he outcoached them, you know, and, and the players out-executed as well. Our coach, Arno Martinez, joining us, our Tuesday turnaround here on Off the Bench. Coach, uh, when I talked with uh, Coach Timmy Chang at halftime, he mm-hmm. said on two different occasions we got to quit shooting ourselves in the foot. And Mm -hmm. outside of, you know, some big plays in that first game, we really didn't shoot ourselves in the foot a whole lot against Vandy. And Mm -hmm. if you look at this game against Stanford, there were a lot of opportunities that that we did not take advantage of. And down the stretch, you know, we tried to set up Chucky Hines on that tunnel screen and – you know mm-hmm. what? You know that that was an unforced error. If we're going to talk tennis for a second, you know sure. uh, that that was unforced. Uh, we had him again later on on that deep throw in the middle of the field that I think he lost in the lights, and you saw it. It hit it hit him in the hands uh, at a pivotal point in the game where that could have turned the tide for us. Um, Tylen Hines as well uh, tried to set up that. I think it was a third and, and ten, and it was a perfect play call, and he dropped that little screen pass. Um, it felt sloppy. Uh, do you feel similarly? Oh, yes, absolutely. I thought I thought the operation, like I said, there was some aggression from the first game to the second. Now, maybe that's because 
they, again, they didn't have a true handle on what they were going to see. Whereas Vanderbilt, yeah. I think they had a better, you know, understanding uh, or, a, you know, a, a foundation to work from, a better foundation. So, yeah, Stanford uh, but was yeah, such a, lot, a mystery. Of, yeah, big mystery. Personnel, we didn't know who the starting quarterback was going to be. I mean, there were a lot of things that worked in their favor just by happenstance, right? I mean, it wasn't anything planned out. I mean, it just happened to be the first game, new coach, new scheme. So, um, but, yeah, you know, it was sloppy compared to the first one. You know, we, we Josh and I talked about in the first game about normal football, things just being clean, operation being clean, and normal situations, you know how to get out of them, nothing snowballs and gets away from you. We saw some regression because it did. It did. Some things got away. Um, it was getting sloppy, and, um, you know, I think they'll – now, I, I don't think that's the measuring stick or the indicator of how it's going to be the rest of the season. I think it's a learning experience. Mm-hmm. And obviously it didn't play well enough to win. Um, there's a lot of improvement. You, you don't ever want to go backwards in certain areas. Uh, but then again, it could be – right, there's, there's other things. I mean, the, the defense wasn't as productive. But again, look at what they were faced with, right? Yeah. yeah. Coach, um, <laughs> you know, the, the other thing that Josh and I talked about earlier in the show just briefly – is has been our um, kind of uh, surprising inability to cause turnovers. Um, oh what, yeah. What would you like to see out of our defense? Maybe it's a you know an aggression standpoint or uh, schematically. How do we position our guys to be in a better position to make plays? Well, I'm sure, and I know Coach Jacob is, is coaching it. You know, yep. it's one of those things where it has to become second nature to you, where the first tackler is coming in, he's, he comes to balance and wraps up, but anybody anybody else in the gang tackle is trying to punch the ball out. Those kind of habits, and, and, and I'm sure he charts it in practice every day. Uh, how many times they got a strip attempt? How many times they got a punch attempt? Uh, how many times they got the ball out in practice? Uh, we used to reward our guys, you know, in practice, and we had a chart that went up on the screen every day, and you know, you, you get you get a reward for it, just you know, just making the the correct attempt. It's not necessarily the first guy, right? But it's 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 those other guys coming in, and there's and then there's other things you can do to um, you have a turnover period every day in practice where you teach uh, strip, rip, punch, you know, all type of techniques, and you do one every day, and you have a period every day. You just have to have it has to be a habit. It has to be. Uh, 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 it has to be built into the culture of how they practice so that you get game transfer and then it's automatic in the game. Um, those are the, 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 the takeaways where forced fumbles, those kinds. Now, the other ones, interceptions and, and, and those those things, that's that's a combination of things. You know, you got to have a great pass rush. you got to have linebackers on the underneath so the balls are thrown over their head. And you got to have secondary who has great proximity, um, you know, to, to the ball, to their um, – uh, offensive player in their zone or in their man coverage, and then then that can help create some some interception type turnovers. Those are harder to actually create. The other ones, force fumbles. Definitely, you want you want to build that aggression into practice, then get game transfer. Uh, we're talking with Arnold Martinez, our Tuesday turnaround. Something that you know, another thing we talked about earlier in the show, um, the usage of Solo Vipulu, who mm-hmm. with Landon Sims out, um, we don't know for how long. I mean, Solo Vipulu right now is Hawaii's number two running back. Don't look at the depth chart; uh, that won't tell you that. Um, but something that that Hunter and I talked about earlier is. You know, could his usage be kind of a tip-off to what Hawaii Absolutely. is doing? I was I mean, going to mention it, yeah. I, I think you, know, mm-hmm. you used the word gimmicky earlier, Hunter, and, and, and that's and that's kind of fair, too. Like, I guess the way I would ask mm-hmm. it to you, Coach, is 
is there a way you can use solo in a way that doesn't tip off the other team to what you might be doing or gives you or gives the other team an idea that you know it's 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 not a gimmicky offense that's out there that he solos being used in the the base Bad package protection, of, or the yeah. base package in general of what the offense is you know he, he would have to get the ball <laughs> you know i mean <laughs> yeah. basically right he'd have to get the ball you'd have to tell the defense you better play us honest well throw him another right screen now, pass then Throw him another screen pass. <laughs> Just hand the ball, the ball off on yeah. some, yeah, some fullback traps. But like you, you said, ball security is 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 an issue. But you gotta if you want to because right now the defense going to see him in, and they're going to drop seven, drop eight. You know they're they're not worried about him. Uh, honestly, you know. In fact, um, which brings me to uh, you know some some things I wrote down. You know, the run game is non-existent right now. Right now, minus five yards. Right, they did gain forty-four, but they gave up what six sacks or forty-one or something like that. The problem with not having a run game, whether it be Stanford or any other team, Stanford they just rush four many times and drop seven just to constrict the passing windows with seven defenders in coverage. Right against four wide, right because you know especially if if Solo's in the you know he they don't even account for him as an eligible receiver probably not yet because you know like you say it's just pass pro or it could be gimmicky but. That causes Shager to hold the ball longer on many occasions because the wide receivers just can't get separation or open. Whether it's run and shoot or converting routes or whatever, you have too many defenders in the secondary, right? And so um, then he holds the ball long. The O-line can't protect that long, which leads to more sacks. We had how many? Six this game. Gave up six, right? You see what I mean? So it's all like a function of – it's just a domino effect. You know, you always have to find a way – to get the opponent's defense to play honest, just like you just said, and, and we just mentioned there. In my opinion, you know, I think the run-and-shoot offense was exposed in this game. I mean, you know, right now we should call it the can't-run-sometimes-shoot. You know, I mean, that's, mm-hmm. kind of, that's kind of basically it, right? The offense right now, in my opinion, just lacks a little diversity. They line up in four wide or empty, snap the ball, QB drops two steps, looks a throw. Pretty much the majority. That's it, over and over. Most of There's no... Rollout screen, counteraction, uh, boots, flows. There's not, you know, the defense job is easy. Was easy that game, you know, just to sit back seven. There were no adjustments put that put the defense into assignment conflicts. No multiple formation, no shifts, no motions to get matchups. I mean, to me, and we rarely see screens. You mentioned that they tried to get a couple, but we, you know, that's one way. Perimeter screens or bubble screens are basically an extended run play. Yep. If your run game's not working. You use that so you can get those safeties to come drop down a little bit, right, Hunter? You know what I mean? So yeah. get them to play more aggressive downhill, and, and then you can catch them. And you help spread later. the field that way. And you help spread the field, yeah. And you know, so and then there was there's no misdirection or movement of the old line in any run game or anything like that. So it comes down to a numbers game. If a defense only has four in the core, dropping seven, UH has to run the ball with success. Bottom line. If defense has eight in the box, Three deep, UH has to pass the ball with success. You know, it's, it, they're going to come up and count the numbers. And so um, it, they're, they're going to have to have some more diversity, I think. Get defenses to play more honest. All right, we'll turn things around to the Great Danes uh, coming up as part of our Tuesday turnaround. So, Coach, stay right there. Uh, first, we tell you about Woodcraft Hawaii's Vendor Days. This week, save 10% off Bosch Power Tools and 25% off accessories at Woodcraft Hawaii. Traffic here, more with the coach coming up on ESPN Honolulu. 
know what I didn't do, Hunter? Mm. I forgot to tell people who won the football tickets. That's right. Gosh, shame on me. Uh, Tupu from Mililani. I think we know Tupu. I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think we saw him over at Big City Niner oh. uh, a couple of weeks ago for the Vandy game. Nice. Shout uh, out to Tupu. Yeah, he won tickets to check out uh, Hawaii and the Great Danes of Albany coming up on Saturday. Let's go. Uh, Six o'clock kick. Our coverage begins with a special edition of Hawaii Football Now with uh, with you and Jordan. We'll Let's air go. that prior to countdown to kick off. Um, we bring back in the coach, Arnold Martinez. Our Tuesday turnaround turns us now to the Great Danes. It's an interesting matchup because Albany could very well have been 2-0 and uh, if they held on to their lead against another FBS team in Marshall. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious kind of what you're thinking going into this game. Um, you got to be careful. Hunter knows it could be a trap game. You know, it's one of those things where if your mind's not right, um, you can't, you know, the Warriors, they cannot show up this week and think, oh, now we got a FCS or we got a smaller program or, <laughs> excuse me, it's going to be kind of, a, you know, an e- easy deal. Nothing's easy. Winning is hard. You know, Albany put up uh, 34 on Fordham, which is also a smaller school, um, and then 17 points on Marshall. And it was a, what was a 17-21. So close game, mm-hmm. um, and so you can't uh, look at this and say. Um, now, as a coaching staff, you do want to take take advantage of it and say, "Hey, let, let's get right this game. Let's be clean in all aspects. Don't worry about you know any of the other stuff. It's eleven guys on the field. They got eleven. We got eleven. Our eleven's got to out execute their eleven. You know, just just break it down to the most simplest form. Um, but if you look at you know. What what the, what Albany is going to do? I mean, you know, they have so far in two games they they've only rushed for 320 yards total, um, and a past let's see, uh, passing, passing, passing. Uh, they have five touchdowns, and they're averaging 223 yards per game passing. So uh, it's I don't think they're explosive, no, nope. but they might be methodical, you know, and they kind of stay within themselves. So let's see what happens. Coach, if we're just going to look at us, what is yep. a win for us? Let's talk offense first and then a win for us defensively this game. Offense, I want to see a, dis- a definitive attack. You and I just talked, we, we just talked a little bit about it too, the, uh, you know, working the short passing game. Again, mm-hmm. finding, I want to see some adjustments and a little bit more diversity. Mix it up a little bit. Not, not this, you know, the, you know, what bothered me as a D coordinator for many, many years was exactly kind of like what Stanford did. When you when you have to prepare for multiple formations, matchups, um, things of that nature, it was easy if the team just lined up in doubles all day or, or empty. I mean, you know, it didn't it didn't really threaten the defense. Um, so I'd like to see some more something put in where, you know, you can mix it up a little bit more. Um, I think it, it'll be a win if they operate and don't have, you know, go down the field like they're supposed to and just play normal football, um, <laughs> complete scoring drives, you know, when they're in the red zone. I forgot, I mean, I don't know what the red zone scoring this last game was, but, oh, here we go. UH was two for three years, and Stanford was five for five. Um, but so offensively, I think um, just normal operations, and I want to see a definitive attack, not this passive kind of, you know, you can tell when a team is playing with hope, and hope's not a good plan. I hope mm-hmm. we do well. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or we're here to kick your tail. You can tell right from the beginning. And, and that's what all coaches want their teams to do is, hey, 
we, we, we want to leave no doubt. We're coming out to attack, attack, attack right now. But, you know, it takes a lot of things to happen, right? You can't have drop balls. You can't have blown assignments and all those things. So you got to have pass protection. I want to see the running game improve. Um, so, um, you know, that's got to be big. Uh, so some diversity, the running game, no self-inflicted wounds. Defensively, I'd say the same thing. I mean, you know, um, you can't have uh, the, you know, mistakes. And unfortunately, they're going to have two guys out for a minute, right? Yeah. How long will Mickey be out? And uh, Well, he, he won't miss out. any time. Oh, because his was early. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then okay, the first half for Tufango. Uh, yeah, first half. Yeah. Okay. So, <clears throat> you know, just discipline. You know, let, let's, have, and, uh, let's see the production from the front. Defense. The defense's success for the rest of this entire season will be TFLs, QB pressure, sacks, QB hurries. If it's happening in the front, they're going to be okay on the back end. Yep, picks will happen. Yep, coach, mm-hmm. I will uh, get get some rest. I'll see you on Saturday. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I actually, I'm not going to see you this Saturday. You threw me off. Oh, that's right. You're not there on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This game, this game, I'm off a little bit. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I'll see you in a couple weeks then. Yep. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Appreciate uh, you, thank coach. You, coach. Okay. Thanks, guys. Appreciate Arnold you, guys. Martinez. He's our coach, our Tuesday turnaround here on uh, Off the Bench. We'll get uh, have Tony on hold. We'll get to Tony coming up after traffic and sports center. It's Off the Bench. Uh, final words uh, coming up in just a little while. Yeah, we, you know, one thing we didn't talk about, and we'll do a little bit later. Hmm. I say a little bit later. We have 25 minutes. Yeah. Um, Prime! Yes, sir. What are we doing? Prime! The buffs. You know, I, we, we're, we're so Hawaii football centric. Yep. We, we just, we, we tend to let that run. And then, you know, sorry, Prime. And we get texts and we get calls. Yeah. And... I mean, sorry, Prime, but, um, while you've entered yourself into the top 25, you're still not more important here. People enter you know. our chat. Yes, they so do. So we, uh, we have to respond accordingly. Yes. Uh, Timmy Chang is more important than Deion Sanders here. Uh, speaking of, the Timmy Chang show. Uh, coming nice. Up tomorrow night. Thank you. Uh, I was planning that for the last five seconds. Uh, the Timmy Chang show tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Ruby Tuesday at the Wadalua Shopping Center. Join us in person on social, on the radio, and if you miss it, um, Pofeli Ashlock's your special guest. So if you miss it tomorrow night, uh, re-airs 11 a.m. Thursday right here on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, Thursday night at 6 on K-High. That's how you can check it all out. Tony, thank you for hanging on very patiently during the break. How are you? Pretty good, guys. Hey, a couple comments. I really enjoyed uh, Coach Arnold's uh, analysis of what ha- happened against Stanford. I just hope our coaching staff listens. <laughs> because I was very disappointed in the coaching in this game on Friday. You know, going into the game, hey, I'm not a coach, but I'm a, a football fanatic. And I knew that this new coach from uh, Stanford, mm-hmm. State, he ran the air raid. He ran no huddle. And the defense, defensively, Hawaii should have been ready for that. Okay? Now you're saying, how can you get ready for it? Hey, we played Utah State last year. They ran the air raid. They ran no huddle. And they went up and down Chink Field and killed us that night. You would have thought they would have taken that film out and say, hey, guys, this is what we're going to face on Friday. Because during the game, and I watched this carefully, 
our players couldn't even get aligned correctly. They're running all over the place right before the play is executed. That's why we, we look so we didn't look good on defense. Okay? Now offensive that's my take, my take. Offensively, Otto makes a great point, okay? It's four against it's four guys rushing and seven dropping back. So Hawaii is has how many receivers? Four receivers? They got seven defenders. So that means what? Two players they're they're covering everybody man to man and somebody's getting double. Okay? Every play. That's happening every play. We we our offense, like he said, there's no bubble screen. You know, if if people remember when the running shoot was effective under June and Rolo, bubble screens were a part of the offense and had to be executed to keep the defensive secondary honest. And that's something we could not do against Stanford. Also, under June and Rolo, they used to run the shovel pass, which also keeps the defense on their toes. Chris's favorite and we don't player. do that either. Okay? We got to do other things besides, like he said, four guys run down the field. And we'll wait for somebody to come open. Another factor in this thing now is Brandon Sager. Now, Rolo, he took it, you know, June never ran his quarterbacks. Rolo said, okay, Cole McDonald, you go back, four, four guys try, uh, come in after you, and you see the seven defenders running down the field. Guess what? Look for an opening and take off. Braden Sager tried that a couple of times, but he doesn't get very far because not a very good runner. Okay. Okay. He is not. Okay, hold on, hold on, okay. hold on, hold on. I'm going to stop you right there, Tony. Braden oh. is. I, I got mad love for him and his arm. He's got a powerful arm. He is half the athlete that Cole McDonald is. Half. Two completely different skill sets. Right. So. Right. The the fact that Shager even got down the field at all. <laughs> yeah. Is a job well done, honestly. Yeah. But if, and if Braden uh, is going to run, and he tried to run a couple of times, he needs to start diving on the field before he gets tackled. Because it's going to be a factor in the rest of the season. The teams are just going to run. They're just going to rush four, and they're going to drop. And there's going to be times where he's going to have to run. He better learn how to take a dive before he gets tackled. I'd rather I'd, I'd rather him uh, learn how to slide, slide, um, and, and slide. kill a play slide. than we knew than, what you meant. Yeah, we we knew. Hey, yeah. uh, hey, Tony, I got to move on because I got Junior waiting here. I want to get as many people as we can here. Thank you for dialing okay, in, though. Good Thank points, you, Tony. Good points. Appreciate you listening, uh, Junior. You're up next here. Uh, let's, she doesn't know that we're going to Junior. Uh, junior, how are you, Junior? Yeah, good. I just. Um... Agree with Tony. Tim, maybe Tony should be on the pregame show, man. No, no, points. nobody's kicking no. off Arnold Martinez no, no. for the pregame show. You <laughs> no, stop no, no, that no, no, right no. now. I think he's no, saying, I'm just saying instead of I'm Josh. Just wow. Be, you stop that be, right now. Josh, he could be added to your team. That's all. <laughs> you know, that's all. He could, but Sorry, he, I'm very protective come, of my team. He'll come off the bench in case Ooh. one of you guys get hurt. Wow. Well played. Well played. <laughs> anyway, just want to. Just want to say, Josh, I think you owe me an apology because Hunter is my, uh, you know, when I said that we were underdogs, and I think you thought that we were going to really beat Stanford last Friday. And, um, you know, I just, will, I just wanted to say that 
Sanford really did a number on us, but hey, we deserved it. Sanford is a very smart school, you know, like uh you know, the GPA is pretty high. And, I think uh, you, you know, I think you mixed up me and Hunter. I don't think okay, I was. I, I think Hunter was the one saying that Hawaii had a I good chance. I thought we had of, chance. Yeah, and I was I, the one. Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, I apologize. Then. You, My you bad. owe me an apology now. Okay, sorry. Uh, take it <laughs> off. Yeah, I, I apologize, Josh Pacheco, because you are the man. Anyway, now you owe me an say, apology for calling me that. That's not true. Okay. Okay, I apologize. Thank you. Take that, Hunter. <laughs> anyway, just wanted to say same thing what um, Tony said. We need a running game, yes. but it's hard to have a Reagan Maui'a or a Nate Ilawa. Those guys are very special, and Colt worked that, um, you know, that uh, shuttle pass or whatever that pass was to perfection, and uh, we kept the, those guys honest because Reagan and also Nate were great runners. That's right. After they got the ball, you know, great call. And just like Hunter said, the um, the DBs when they're playing the run. It's easy to play to run on certain situations, but then they went back when they knew that Shager had to pass. So they they outsmarted us, outcoached us, and outplayed us. And, and I just felt that um, I don't know. We could have won, but you know that's always we could have, should have after on Mondays. But I think there's still hope in our team, right, Hunter and yep. right, Josh. Yeah. And and um, we may not beat Oregon at Oregon. But Let's just hope we don't give up 81 points. 81 points, yeah. Or we hope that we can at least beat Albany, right? Yes, absolutely. Anyway, just, wanted to, just wanted to say, like, uh, with our prediction for the um, Mountain West, Hunter and Josh, don't you think that we played some – I would say they're in the top of the, their ranking and their conferences, but I think we should do pretty well or decent in the Mountain West. We'll see. My opinion. We'll we'll Thanks. find out. Hey, Junior, Thanks, thank you for uh, thank you for thank calling you. in. Hey, by the way, win a thousand dollars cash grand prize and a hundred dollar weekly prizes in ESPN Honolulu's Pigskin Picks. Brought to you by M Dyer Global. Visit ESPNHonolulu.com right now to register. Thoughts on that? Uh, the pigskin picks? No, on, on what we just got gotcha, you, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, um, no, that was kind of a, a no, sloppy that's transition right. there. Um, I actually appreciate Junior kind of answering. Uh, what I was gonna say to uh, to Tony's call, okay. it it's easy to say we need more versatility with things like the shovel pass or tunnel screens. They did try to do some tunnel screens this last week. They dropped both of them. Um, they did put Tylen Hines in a terrific situation in a uh, just a classic uh, behind the line screen. And he dropped it. So there were a couple opportunities late in that football game for us to make it competitive and get interesting into the fourth quarter um, that we just did not execute when we needed to. And you can't run a successful tunnel screen if you aren't running the ball well, period. If you're not getting outside the tackle in outside zone – there's no reason for that tie, for that defensive end to be stretched out, and then for the tunnel or for the uh, uh, the shovel pass to then go underneath right. that D end. That's how that works. Right. Um, and then on top of that, you're hoping for your O line to block into the second level of the defense. 
we haven't we haven't done the first part of that well yet to then set up something like the um the shovel pass so um our our running game certainly needs work it's probably the number one thing on our team that has our coach's attention right now more than um the d line which was probably the number one thing last year i think number one right now is our ability to run the ball yeah i think that's that's probably uh conservatively um the thing that needs most attention right now i think um We'll certainly learn more. I think we're getting Albany's head coach on uh, the sports animals in the morning this week. Uh, wow. we're, we're working on getting the play-by-play voice here for our show uh, this week. So uh, we'll learn more about this team. But more importantly, this will help us kind of learn how Hawaii kind of, you know, figures it out. Uh, I think might be the uh, might be the best way to put it. Final words. Coming up here in a little bit, I want to remind you about the next Craig Angeles show, September 12th at 6 p.m. Uh, with Kanoa Leahy and Craig at Velocity Honolulu on Kapiolani Boulevard. Food and drink available for purchase and valet parking at the MW Restaurant. It's brought to you by the JN Group. Oh, uh, final words, and we got to give away volleyball tickets. I didn't forget because they wrote it down on the board. And in my email to the staff, I said, please respond because sometimes people weren't giving away their tickets last week. And I can't be the guy to do the problem that I said other people were doing last week. I have to be the example setter. There you go. Well, put your manager hat on. Well, yeah. I'm taking it off. And okay. now I'm saying we're giving away tickets. There we go. Uh, stand by for that. It's on the way after traffic. It's off the bed. GSP and Honolulu. All right, uh, Sports Cards and Collectibles is coming up in uh, 13 minutes from right now. Uh, let's give away two tickets to Hawaii Volleyball. It's the Rainbow Wahine taking on Liberty coming up on Thursday, uh, 7 p.m. first serve, Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center. Dial in right now. We'll do a little bit of trivia coming up here uh, at 808-296-1420. So uh, dial in. We'll give away those tickets here as we line up people on the phones. I wanted to um, get this texter's question into you, Hunter. This is uh, via our Zephyr Insurance text line, and it is from Scott. Scott. Scott's question. Hunter, who on Hawaii's roster do you think can maybe switch to running back? Oh, man. Well, we've already tried that with Solo. Uh-huh. Which never thought that was going to happen, but it is. We're living in it. We We're are living in the reality. Yeah. Um. Thankfully, we have a running back on our on our roster named Najee Bryant Lalay, who I'm hoping and praying will be ready mm-hmm. by this week. Um. We're in desperate need of him to come back. Um. I'm sure there are guys on defense that probably played running back in high school. Or or younger, uh, younger levels, mm-hmm. it it's difficult to say. Um, a guy from my era, um, uh, Daniel Lewis, who uh, we all called D. Lou, he ended up playing safety for us, but came in as a running back. Okay, so a lot of times those skill position guys can play um, play multiple positions. So I don't know if it's quite at that point yet where we're needing to poach from other positions but uh 
I like where that texture, where Scott, where Scott, your uh, your head's at. I'm I'm just hoping that 22 is ready to go. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I'm also hoping Cam Stone will be ready to go on yeah. Saturday. That's going to be a big storyline. Still lining up people to dial in to win Hawaii volleyball tickets, Hawaii and Liberty coming up on Thursday. Uh, our number 808-296-1420. Let's do one more thing here on uh, on on football uh, from Hawaii football. Texter from the 781. Uh, Shager's strong arm should be used for well-timed down and outs. Uh, they are hard to defend if done well and will open up the middle of the field as the defense adjusts to defend them. That makes sense? Uh, yeah, I mean, thankfully his strong arm is perfectly used on all 50 attempts that we give him every game. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, a well-thrown ball, a well-ran route can beat a perfect defense. Final words. Hunter, you're first. Uh, my final words are actually uh, just wanted to tip my cap. I know it's Tuesday, but tip my cap to... You can tip your cap any day you want. Yeah. Uh, the whole crew down there who did the, the pule for for the Maui um, remembrance and just pause. That was, it was, a, that was special. Um, not only just the, the prayer in and of itself, um, that was the last moment for me up in the booth before I go down to the field to, to take up my position on the sideline and then for it to rain right mm. after the timing of that, I don't think, um, was disconnected, right? It didn't feel it on the field either. It really felt like as soon as the pregame festivities ended, the band exited the field, the, um, the, the different ministers and preachers and, uh, and, um, and Kahoos that, that were there that, that performed that Mm -hmm. for us. Um, the skies opened up right after and it was, it, it felt like Hawaii was, I, I I don't want to be insensitive here, but it, it really did feel like the, the the skies opened up and just gave recognition to that moment. I, you know, I was going to ask you, and I forgot that you were up in the booth. I was going to ask you what it felt like being down there. I don't know how much of it you were a part of when you were down there yeah. at, at any point in time. Well, we it broke into coverage for us right. Uh, right in the middle of National Anthem, Hawaii Ponoe, and then they went right into the prayer. So... We were up in the booth whenever that was happening specifically, but then right after that happened, went down on the field because kickoff was right after. You know, I I thought that was done respectfully. Um, I I thought it was done well. I I, I yeah. echo what you said. Uh, you know, also to the governor. Um, yeah. You know, President Lastner and and AD and Craig Angeles. Yeah. Um, it's important to show that solidarity as many people as you can get. And I almost wish there were more that were on the field with them. I almost wish we could have had all four county mayors. I almost wish we could have had members of, of you know, elected state representatives. Yeah, it, I, it felt like a moment. Yeah. Like a big, significant moment. Absolutely. Um, that's one thing I know that when difficult things happen – I feel confident that people know how to 
handle it with reverence and grace and with the right amount of respect. I think I told you this last week, and it's the only thing that I wish was different was that both football teams were on the field. It's, Are, it's, already out there. Yeah. Yeah. In, instead of in, in the locker room to show that ultimate no, I'm with you. And sign of solidarity. The guys on our team, especially, you know, like Carson Papunu yeah. from Lahaina. What a catch he made, by the way. Oh, my gosh. That 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 was a slept on highlight from that game. Top four on uh, ESPN's college football pregame. No show way, yesterday. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was number four. Good for him. That's awesome. But that's a good point because there's a lot of times where we would miss out on pregame festivities on the field because we're in the locker room. Right. We don't see it. And for something like this, for all of the local boy, you know, connections, that would have been something special to to at least observe. Yeah. Be a part of and also show your solidarity, yep. your hand-in-hand hand with all of those people. Um, real quick, my um, my final words, uh, the passing of Eric Kataoka, mm. a coaching, a baseball coaching legend in this state. I didn't really get to know him, but one way in which I got to know him from afar, uh, we would cover state high school baseball tournaments. And, you know, me being on the Big Island still, out of the blue, I'd get emails from Coach every year, right before the state tournament started. And, you know, his knowledge of baseball is unmatched. Hmm. I would get state tournament stats, um, history, et cetera, all in my inbox every year from Eric. Um Dedicated to the kids, dedicated to the sport, dedicated to the community. Uh, I don't think it can be understated um, how much his loss will feel. Um, just saddened by it, and uh, you know our thoughts to uh, our thoughts to his family. Yep. Um, our thoughts to the baseball community. Uh, really missing him. Uh, sports cards and collectibles is coming up next. We'll see you tomorrow.